Hello, I'm Jessica Moxham. I'm a writer and a mother and kind of an architect. Uh, and I live in London with my husband and my three children, uh, the eldest of which is disabled and a lot of my writing is about parenting and disability. You're listening to the Mother of All Solutions, stories from mums as they navigate their return to work. With me, Laura Broderick. Hi listeners, it's Laura here, Mother of All Solutions podcast for December 2022. Um, build up to Christmas and I have a special guest um, for you for your Christmas episode. I've got uh, the author here, Jessica Moxham. So hi Jess. Hello. How are you today? Very good. Very happy to be here. Good, good. I know we've had to rearrange a few times for various (laughs) situations so it's nice to actually just sit and be in the space together. Um, So this episode, Jess, um, we're going to talk about your work as an author and uh, the book that you have written and I've read recently, The Cracks That Let the Light In. And we can also talk about your sort of general life, your family situation and who you are and just get to know you a little bit, if that sounds okay. Of course, yeah, great. (laughs) So let's start with the book. Um, So I read it, I finished it about two weeks ago after having heard you speak at a talk in Camberwell where you were like doing a reading really, weren't you? You were sort of introducing segments of the book and talking about your life. Um, So the the strap line for the book is a mother's story of raising her disabled son and the life-changing power of books. So do you want to tell us a little bit about the book and then we can have a conversation around it? Yeah, I mean the book, talking about the book and talking about my life are essentially the same thing. So um, you can kind of get both. So the book is a memoir um, that covers the first 10 years of uh, me being a mother to my eldest son, Ben. so kind of goes from when he was born to roughly his 10th birthday. It's um, It came out last year, so he's now actually just had his 13th birthday. Um, Milestone, yeah. Yeah, mm. we've finally got a teenager. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the book is about the, the kind of first decade where he, because he's my eldest son, we had a baby, which obviously everyone who has a first baby doesn't really know what they're doing most mm. of the time. Um, but his birth, was complicated and then he was very ill and it became obvious very quickly that he was going to be disabled um, and that that was going to be um, a big part of our lives with him well a big part of his life and therefore I was looking after him Um, and I then went on to have two other children so um, it it's a kind of story of family but it's also just a story of me working out how to be the mother of a disabled child which is unique I mean not unique Mm. to me there are lots of parents with disabled children but it's very different to being the parent of a not disabled child in some ways Mm. in some ways it's very similar um but also I knew nothing about disability so it's kind of my journey of learning Mm. about that um and essentially going from feeling like everything had gone wrong to realizing that it it's just one aspect of a whole kind of complicated chaotic typical family life and in some ways it makes things makes things more difficult particularly for him um and in lots of ways it's as joyful as I expected yeah no I mean it's a fascinating read and as you said it's a memoir of this this 10 years so when I was reading I was thinking did you keep diaries through those 10 years like how I didn't know you've got a good memory 
I have got a, actually really quite awful memory, but I took a lot of photos. Okay. Um, and I have quite a visual memory. So when I look back at the photos, I'm able to kind of remember what was going on at that point. Mm. I also did find when I was writing the book, I found um, that I had written some stuff when he was very small that I'd then completely forgotten I'd written. Mm. Like not quite a journal, but kind of bits of writing on my computer. So I was able to use those. Um, and then I had started writing a blog in 2014, I think. And how old was Ben then? So he was about five. About five, okay. And uh, my middle son, Max, was like one or two. So it was kind of during that period where we'd sort of gone out. The, f- the first two, three years were really firefighting. Mm. Like I was just constantly trying to work out what was going on and being absolutely exhausted, mm. not getting enough sleep. Uh, ben being quite miserable quite a lot of the time. Mm. And then we sort of slightly came out of that and it wasn't quite so um, kind of intense all the time. Mm. And I started writing blog around that time. So I also had quite a lot of blog posts. Okay, kind to of, refer to. Yeah, mm. to kind of look back on um, particularly kind of aspects that had really been I guess that I've been particularly cross about or particularly happy about which is the way of what you end up writing about yeah well you've got to you know find that sort of power in your voice yeah so those those key points yeah and am I right in thinking this is your first writing project yes Yes. absolutely okay because you trained as an architect I trained as an architect and I didn't in any way train as a writer um so yes this is an absolutely first attempt at something wow (laughs) I mean the level of detail as well I mean it's just fascinating so I don't know where there's so many things I want to ask you because my world is in architecture so Mm. I was also kind of fascinated by the fact that you Mm. you had trained and you fully qualified as an architect and were practicing as an architect in the Middle East yes and then you came back to the UK to have your baby who yes. is Ben who's now 13 yeah um and then life changed as you said yeah um and you've changed in lots of ways you've changed your professional take and your yeah, yeah. I mean it's changed amazing everything <laughs> I, so as a memoir there's lots in it so I do recommend everyone reading it um so just where should we should we talk a bit more about Ben and your other two children as well and then we'll look at your work journey as well mm. because this podcast is about maternity leave and navigating those changes mm. once sort of motherhood hits mm. um so I'm going to use your words from the book so Ben is disabled uses a wheelchair and needs assistance to communicate so elaborate on that for people who haven't read the book because there was lots yep. in it that I didn't know and I had to yeah. kind of learn through the book yeah, yeah yeah so I think the first thing probably to say for people who aren't um particularly familiar necessarily with disability is that uh, some people try and dance around it quite a lot in terms of language Um, and we call Ben disabled and a lot of disabled people self-identify as disabled and Mm -hmm. disabled is a um, neutral word as in it is not insulting to call someone disabled. Um, The disability community would see that actually as saying that they were disabled by society rather than being disabled by their own body. so there's a there's a it's a political identity mm. as well as a descriptive term. Um, but yes, he is disabled. He has cerebral palsy. Um, it affects every aspect of his uh, body and life. So mm. we help him with all day to day tasks. So mm-hmm. he uses a wheelchair. We move him. Um, he isn't able to eat, so we feed him through a tube. Mm-hmm. Um, and he communicates mainly by uh facial gestures so mm-hmm. he can smile and frown and yeah, yeah. um 
And then a lot by looking. So, for example, to say yes and no, he looks at yes and no symbols on the arms of his wheelchair. Mm. Um, or he can look, I don't know, to choose a book. Like we pick up loads of books in front of him and he can essentially point but just use yeah. his eyes rather than his finger. Uh, and he's also able to use an eye gaze computer which mm. can track his eyes to control the mouse, basically. Mm. Um, he's extremely... Uh, intolerant of being bored so he loves books yeah. we read to him a lot he listens to a lot of audiobooks he watches a lot of tv man his... after my own um his brother makes him watch a lot of marvel films um we've got him really into like 90s sitcoms so he's been watching is it 90s or noughties maybe he's been watching a lot of Miranda oh my goodness um, yeah he really likes that kind of sort of not quite slapstick yeah. but like um I guess visual quite a lot of visual jokes yeah 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 um but I guess he's very uh he has very clear views like he hates dogs and he loves um lights mm. and he loves swimming and he loves going extremely fast on his in his wheelchair ice skating um, i remember ice skating mm-hmm. loves ice skating mm-hmm. so i guess um people sometimes look at him and think of him as a very passive person mm. partly because he's in a using a wheelchair and yeah. we move him but he has extremely strong views um and then i have two other children max is 10 and molly is about to be seven okay. um so they're a bit younger than him and yeah, we've just got a kitten and we just oh kind goodness. of, yeah, the family life is as kind of busy as it you, you just would like expect. bring it on, I will just <laughs> yeah. take more. Yeah. I mean, it was so interesting to, to read about your family and the, the communication side of the eye gaze and the kind of pointing with his eyes and mm. that it was really interesting to learn about. So mm. I definitely picked up on that. But the idea of learning, all of you learning together and mm. you having to navigate that with the professionals around you who were supporting you but maybe not always mm. supporting you in the way that mm. you needed needed yeah. <laughs> yeah um so there's a there's a lot of content in it and um, but a few bits I was going to pick out around you and your work as well as yeah. being a mother if that's all right yeah, yeah and as you say you've now got three lovely children so um I was going to start with Ben, obviously, because he's your eldest and he's now 13. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, my daughter's just turned nine and that's scary enough. Yeah. Um, so there's a little bit about when Ben is around 10, 11 months, I think you said, when yeah. you went back to work. And you're an architect at this point. You hadn't yes. started writing. Yes. So here goes. I go to work two days a week when Ben isn't ill and doesn't have appointments or ones that James can take him to. On the nights before I work, I sleep on a mattress on the sitting room floor with earplugs in, leaving James to get up with Ben in the night and get him to nursery in the morning. I read books on the tube, slipping through just closing doors. At work, I go to the loo alone and my colleagues are undemanding. I feel like I'm coming back to myself, spending days continuing an architectural career I had spent eight years qualifying for. So you did that return to work on two days a week, which I think lots of people do. I did. I went back part-time after having my first. Um, and you found some solace. Is solace the right mm. word? In, in mm. how, Or joy? I don't know what mm. words. But say more about that phase and that time. Yeah. 
So I guess partly that's connected to the fact that we have been living in the Middle East. I had qualified as an architect actually when we first moved. So we moved to Syria first and I qualified as an architect while we were moving in, living in Syria because I convinced my part three tutor that I could write my case study in Syria and then fly back to take my final exams. Um, we then moved to Doha in Qatar and I've been working as an architect there as a qualified architect. The plan was that we were going to come back, have a baby and then go back to Doha and I would have carried on working. Okay. Um, it became clear we weren't going to go back and we were then in London. We both come from London, so it was a return to mm, home, but to unexpected. Yeah, yeah. And we had to find somewhere to live and then get all our belongings back and all of that. So there have been a lot of yeah. turmoil, quite apart from mm. the, the Ben stuff, which mm. had also been complicated. Mm. Um, so I guess I had always expected to go back to work. That yeah. had always been my intention. Yeah. Um, and I then spent 10, 11 months trying to work out how to be his mother and learn all of this medical stuff. So sort of mm. being a nurse and a therapist and all these other things at the mm. same time. But also in the back of my head, sort of thinking like, I can't go back to work because I can't, there's no, he needs me too much. I can't possibly return. But I was lucky that the comp a company that I had worked for twice, actually, in two different stints before I'd left for the Middle East, mm. um, were willing, I guess, to yeah. have me back two days a week. Yeah, to be flexible. Uh, yeah, to be yeah. flexible yeah. and were very accommodating and just very nice, just yeah. extremely nice and kind and Good. understanding. <laughs> um, As they should be, but, yes. you know, it doesn't always happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it doesn't always happen, particularly mm. if you've been away for three years and mm. kind of lost some of your footholds maybe in places. Mm. Um, so they offered me a job for two days a week and I managed to find a nursery place for him for two days a week where uh, they felt like they could cope with all this his additional mm. needs um so I kind of started doing that and I did it partly I think just because I was in the mindset that like th we've got to get things back on track like mm. we've been slightly derailed by this child who has all of these complications that we weren't expecting mm. but let's get back to normality which is that I am a working person I'm an yeah, architect yeah. and I work and that's what I do and, as you said, and I spent all this qualify. time qualifying <laughs> exactly yeah. so like this mm. is what I do and the logistics of it, as you said in that thing of me sleeping on this mattress, the logistics, mm. it, Ben hardly slept. So mm. the, we were exhausted and the logistic, he was being tube fed through an NG tube mm. or he just transferred to a gastrostomy tube, but it was all complex. So straight into the stomach. Straight it? into the stomach, exactly. Yeah. But we were feeding him like that and he was often sick and we had to take these bags and bags of stuff to nursery. So just mm. the logistics of it were quite complicated. Mm. Um, but then once mm. I actually got to work, I just, all I had to do was do some work, <laughs> which was fine because actually it's very, I mean, of course, some of it wasn't fine and I didn't know what I was doing or I, it was a yeah, complicated I, thing or the client was being difficult or whatever it was, but, but it was just very straight. It was extremely straightforward compared to my home life. Mm. And also I'd spent 10, 11 months of people often calling me mum, not called, yeah, not using my yeah, name. Yeah. Um, and everything being about me being Ben's mother. So then yeah. to be in a situation where people were just talking to me about work stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was walking up escalators, <laughs> free and easy. Getting your sandwich <laughs> at lunchtime. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Felt yeah. like a respite, actually. It felt yeah. like a respite. And it felt like, um, it felt important that I just had this other identity, of, which yeah. wasn't just being a mother. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't mean just as in I was very no, happy course, to be a mother, but you know, that, that I, that I could be multifaceted, that it wasn't just, it wasn't me at home all the time. And actually being at home was really difficult yeah, because he yeah. was miserable a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, and we had a lot of appointments, but in between appointments, 
I was quite lonely I, and I, I kind bet, of didn't yeah. have mm. friends who were in the same situation I was. And actually I was relatively young of my friends to have mm. babies. So I didn't have lots of friends around me that had babies at the same time. They mm. were all at work mm. <laughs> um, and James was at work and I had my family and stuff, but you know, lots of new mothers know it's actually yeah, yeah. days are quite long if you don't have people around to fill them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for all those reasons, going back to work was, uh, it felt difficult mm. to kind of organize but it also felt good to yeah, be to doing do that, that. Yeah. yeah and as you said you'd been like not sleeping and um, you mm. know you're still going to work on not much sleep you mm. know you're having to sleep mm. on this mattress mm. but just having a change of mindset and a change yeah. of pace yeah, yeah. Did and the alternative was looking after ben all day mm. still on no sleep so mm. there was no option where i got yeah, the sleep and then yeah, yeah. got didn't get the sleep and then got to relax during the day if you yeah. know what i mean like, yeah <laughs> Yeah, it was really interesting to to read through that. So, yeah, fascinating. And if we then talk about you becoming a mum for the second time to Max, what's the age gap between? There's about two and a half years. About two and a half years. It sort of changes again. Of course Mm. it does for Mm. everybody. It changes as a new family Mm. member emerges. Um, And you had another quite stressful birth situation as well, didn't you, for that? So probably exhausted on another level again (laughs) at that point. Yeah. so should we talk a little bit about your maternity leave once you've yes. got two children? So I then, yeah, mm. I had Max. His birth was, uh, he was just very ill after he mm. was born, which was dreadful uh, and felt a bit like a kind of flashback. Mm. But um, it turns out that babies that are otherwise pati- completely healthy come out of NICU very fast. So mm. actually kind of within a week, we realized that he was going to be okay. Um, I then had planned to have a year off. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I mean, I had statutory maternity pay, you know, financially it yeah. was a terrible thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, although we were also paying nursery fees on two days a week wages. So as everyone knows, like financially going back to work not in that way is not yeah. um, particularly rewarding. Mm-hmm. But um, so I had planned to have this year off. And during that year, we had arranged by that point, um, Ben was going to nursery three days a week, I think. I think we'd gone up a day. And then we also, before Max was born, we'd had a nanny who was going to come on two other days, basically Mm. so that I um, wouldn't have both kids Mm. very much on my own Mm. during that maternity leave, or at least not for kind of whole days. Mm. Partly because Ben had to do, was doing a lot of therapies and that was just very difficult to do with a newborn. physiotherapy and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was going to a kind of uh, conductive education thing in Richmond once a week. So that was a great big long drive and then two hours of therapy. And it's just not possible with a newborn. Um, I also knew I was going to have a C-section. So physically it was going to be quite difficult to be maneuvering Ben, who obviously needs to be lifted everywhere. including up the stairs at home. And so anyway, we'd sort of planned it very carefully that I wasn't going to be on my own with these kids um, a lot. Uh, and and of course I ended up being, but anyway, mm. Max was an extremely, uh, the difference between them was just extraordinary. And mm. Max did all of the things that everyone had told me that babies do. The, the typical kind of milestones. Cliches, mm. yeah. He mm. just hit all of them. Mm. He slept. <laughs> just most of the time you just he slept Mm. um he fed he Mm. breastfed and bottle fed with no issues um he had some issues at the very beginning but (laughs) it just felt like this kind of um 
it felt extraordinarily easy. Mm. I mean, of course, it was. I was still tired. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And there were bits that he, he. It's not like he was happy all the time because babies aren't meant to be happy all the time. But mm. but the comparison was unbelievable. Mm. Um, and 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 so it just felt really relaxed. Mm. Like I was spending these days with him that were fine because I could just take him to see friends or I could take him into... Yeah, you got to know a few more people I got to, By that point, I knew mm. more people. Some of my yeah. other friends had started having babies. And also I could just take him to the park or I could take him to galleries or I could take him for lunch mm. or like the... Because all I needed was him and something to feed him with and a nappy. Like yeah. it was, the logistics yeah. were really straightforward. Yeah. Um, but also we knew Ben better. So we knew how to keep him happy or how to help him or how to make him less uncomfortable or we were much more familiar with his feeding so that yeah. felt normal to us we knew how to um entertain like what he liked to spend his time doing what he liked watch yeah. by that point he and watched that's tv the, so and the books and the love of reading exactly and, he loved stories mm. so we knew how to make him laugh and all this all mm. of that felt easier it felt yeah. like there was an ease to it that we hadn't had before um and also actually the maternity leave um when when max was very first born and i was kind of recovering from my c-section and stuff other people had done stuff with ben james had done a lot and our nanny had done a lot with him and i'd realized that actually also as i came back into it i realized that a lot of stuff worked better if i was doing it mm. so you know me telling the physio what the ot had said yeah, or me telling yeah. the neurologist what the physio had said and me being involved in everything and linking everyone up was better for ben because um, there was a lot to link up. From there was loads to link up. I, I mean, mean, in the those of specialists that were involved yeah, and in, in those years, I think and, we were having something like 150 appointments a year. Like there was oh, just, yeah. it was relentless. Mm. And some of those were at nursery, but most of them we were taking him to. Yeah, um, we were seeing loads of doctors, loads of other medical teams, mm. loads of therapists, like physiotherapists, occupational therapists, mm. speech and language therapy. Mm. Um, yeah, just lots mm. going on all the time. Yeah. And that's another thing. I didn't have a maternity leave where I was swanning around a lot. There was a lot of, of Max crawling around on the floor of a physio room while Ben <laughs> was doing physio. Um, Don't press the big button. <laughs> <laughs> or equally him getting to play with stuff that sort of like a baby gym, but just not actually meant to have yeah. that, those kind of babies in them. Um, so I just kind of got, by the time it got to the end of the year, I just thought actually it's going to be better for Ben if I don't go back to work. And also I didn't need... Uh, I didn't need the escape from it yeah, quite so much. Yeah. Like the staying at home didn't feel as relentless and as intense as it had. And I guess I felt more confident that I was a person who had children rather than having the child being the whole of my identity mm. uh, in the way that I had in that period where I'd first gone back to work. And you talk about that really nicely in the book and I'll just sort of read out a little bit so um, people get a flavour of the written word as, as well as what you're saying. So as we get close to Max's first birthday, I chose not to go back to work because the reality of getting two children to nursery or school and me to work is too intimidating. James is often away with his job and Ben's endless appointments and illnesses will be hard to manage if both of us are in office. So as you say, that kind of endless appointments and that kind of just Mm. extra juggle yes I mean there's always a juggle but yes also juggling the fact that James had moved jobs in an effort to make his work less intense and then uh actually it turned out it was more intense and he was traveling more I know and I think you know we all feel it like a lot of the decisions we make are the context you're in I mean if you're lucky to have a a partner to help you with the the parenting but Mm. then depending on what that partner's doing or does Mm. or you know so it just yeah so at that point then you don't 
go back to work. So do you officially leave the architect's practice then? Yes. At end of... Yes. And were you starting to think, like, my career might change completely? Or were you just thinking about the children more? I was just thinking what I was going to do that felt best for us at the time. Okay. I had zero plan. I've always had zero plan for my career. Um, And... <clears throat> yeah, I was just doing what felt like we needed to do right then mm. to not all lose our minds. Yeah. Like I just, the logistics, the juggling of if I had gone back to work and all the appointments and now two children and stuff felt too much. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that was a kind of push. And then there was also the pull that I thought actually mm. it, it would be better for all of us if I was at home. Mm. Um, but I had no plan. I just thought, right, I'll stay at home for a while and we'll see what happens. I guess I probably thought that I'd go back to architecture at some point. Okay. when things were a bit more stable mm. uh, but I didn't <laughs> I yeah it, it's it very interesting I mean I will, I'll not spend too long talking about architecture but I could do so maybe we do that off mic later <laughs> yeah I mean obviously the other factor of it is that architecture I think is very hard to do part-time mm. uh, I think it depends who you work for but I was working for a small practice and so I couldn't tell a client that I wasn't going to be there three days mm. of the working week which meant that I couldn't run my own jobs mm. which meant that I was always helping on other people's jobs and I had very nice collaborative colleagues but that's not professionally very satisfying Mm. so I kind of also wasn't getting the level of satisfaction out of working two days a week that I wanted but equally I didn't want to work more than two days a week because I just didn't see how I could make that work with Ben and all the things he needed to do Mm. so yeah I guess that's sort of another aspect of it (laughs) yeah I know it's interesting I mean I wonder and it's something I probably should know maybe I will find out is like if anyone's got successful models of job sharing within mm. architecture because then mm. the client can get continuity and yeah um anyhow that we'll, we'll park that for now but really interesting yeah so jumping forward again um you have a third child yes. molly so you've yes. got, got your girl in the mix now <laughs> yeah. um tell us a little bit about family life with three like so there was then three and a half years between max and molly so ben was six when she was born um her birth was extremely it went to plan uh there was an amazing she was a planned c-section and the very lovely doctor who had done our c-section for max came in on her day off to deliver molly for us um and then helped us get out of hospital the next day which was what a legend yeah uh, Mm. yeah i mean Mm. Yeah, postnatal wards are not uh, my my happy place. So Mm. we were happy to get home. And she, again, fed very straightforwardly. She Mm. had a bit of jaundice, but she was just a very, again, like did everything that babies are meant to do. Mm. Um, Obviously, having three children meant that it was a kind of, we were constantly juggling something. Was James still working away a lot? (laughs) James was still working away a lot, but he had a a month off when Mm. she was born. so we kind of had and and by that point we had again sort of even more than when Max was born we'd formalized Ben's care so we had carers coming in more by that point we actually had night carers as well so we were sleeping because Mm -hmm. we had carers overnight with him um so that also felt a lot more manageable and like Mm. we which is extraordinary extraordinarily fortunate Mm. like I don't at all downplay Mm. lots of people don't get to have that level of support and really probably that's why we felt able to have a third child was Mm. because we had that level of support um Mm. so she then was a great baby but we uh had bought a house that we needed to adapt 
So although I wasn't being paid as an architect, I was very much working on our own project. Um, And we moved into it when I just found out I was pregnant with her. Um, And we'd sort of bodged it enough that it could work for Ben. Mm. But we were very much in that project planning at that stage. And we moved out when Molly was six months old to a temporary house where we were for eight months. And then we moved back into the house when Molly was like a year and a bit. Okay. so there was a lot. There was a lot going on. There's <laughs> always a lot going on. Yeah, like this. <laughs> a lot going on. Um, James was changing jobs and also still traveling. Um, and actually, then we went through a period where we didn't have as many carers. So it was me on my own with all three kids quite a bit. Um, so that was kind of all going on. But in a way, by that point, I didn't have any time to even think about going to work because yeah. it was just like Non-stop. there was so much yeah. going on every day. Mm. There was no conceivable way that we could. Um, that I could not be around mm. to do all that. But also um, by that point, which I think is probably happens a lot with people mm. with multiple children, by that point, like we really knew what we were doing. Yeah. So having a newborn baby was just, of course there were nights where you're like, what have we done? This is, <laughs> I just want to go to sleep. Um, but, but we had such a sense of joy of having this baby mm. that was so small and yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she wouldn't bottle feed so she was literally with me all the time yeah. breastfeeding um but i had such a sense and james my husband has such a sense that like this period is so short because we've got these other two boys who are now just so big yeah, and yeah, yeah. um so i had a real sense with with molly of sort of relaxing into it and just being like this first year we're never going to get this again mm. we're not going to have any more children mm. like this is just um a joyful thing yeah. that we get to do and you'd been enjoying this this sort of well you're moving so you're busy mm. but enjoying this family of three but you'd also mm. started your blog by then yes. hadn't you so you'd started to yes. get into the idea of yes writing. so I've been writing the blog and I'd been sort of realizing that I really enjoyed writing about parenting and particularly parenting Ben mm. like the aspects of his life that mm. made it very particular to mm. him or to children like him um and the contrast, because obviously as Max was getting older, I was realizing how different it was. Like that our experience had been so different actually mm. to what it's like if you if a child isn't disabled. Mm. So as he was getting older and then having Molly again, I kind of really realized the differences. And also I really realized that I wasn't reading that much stuff, which was the stuff that I wanted to read. Okay, you'd seen... I kind of like a lot of the stuff I was reading was either from a kind of medical perspective, which can mm. tend to be quite down mm. <laughs> and quite focused on what uh the problems are and, and how we might fix them and the limitations and all of that kind of stuff or it was by parents um but again quite a lot focused on the struggle okay and i wanted to write about the struggle but i wanted to make it clear that, that like the struggle was only one aspect of it and also that the struggle was often people being annoying it wasn't actually ben that was the problem yeah. Uh, so I was trying to sort of, yeah, write about mm-hmm. all of that, but also just parenting generally, because lots of aspects of it are typical parenting experiences, but heightened in some way. Mm. And also I was realizing that lots of people didn't really understand Ben. So for example, because he can't talk, they would assume that he couldn't understand. And I found that extremely frustrating. So mm. a lot of it was also writing about that kind of thing to just that sort of raising awareness thing of just yeah. like, guys, don't you understand? He can understand you. And you give a few examples of that in the book where, you know, like you say, when somebody who is, um, uh, what's the word, a, 
a more um, enlightened yeah. person will come yeah. and say hi to Ben before they then start talking to you as the parent. Whereas yeah. you said you've had lots of people who've just addressed you, yeah. ignored him, and even spoken about him in a way to you that you're like, I, I don't appreciate. Yeah. Absolutely, what you're saying with absolutely he's listening. Yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah. So trying to write about that kind of stuff in mm-hmm. the hope that people would do things differently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, no, it was de- it was definitely enlightening for me. So um, yeah, yeah, and I, I knew a little bit around some of the ideas of the social model of disability, but you talk mm-hmm. about that as well. So mm-hmm. maybe it'd be a good time to say a little bit about uh, that idea yeah. of. Yeah. yeah. So I guess that goes back to um, kind of identifying as disabled, that um, there was a move by disability activists and disabled people to redefine uh, the definition of disabled. And that links to an idea that um, you can separate out people's impairments um, which is the way their own body works. So, for example, not being able to walk or... Um, you know obviously there are there are a million different ways in which people's bodies work um and disability which um they would define as being disabled by society and the environment around you and the social model of disability says that um the medical model of disability is the idea that you look at disability as a problem to be fixed Mm. so what can we do to fix this person to make this person more quotes normal Mm. um and, and and therefore it's an individual problem of this person in front of you being treated essentially like a patient, mm. although it also has its kind of tentacles everywhere. Mm. Um, and, and actually all of us are being raised in a society where that's often the dominant model. So all of us mm. have a bit of that in us. In yeah, us and yeah. um, the, the way to talk about that is ableism. So in mm. the same way that racism is pervasive, ableism mm. is pervasive, and lots of us don't even realise that we have these views that... Part of maybe we should start challenging mm-hmm. um and so the so if the medical models model of disability is trying to fix a person each individual person trying to be fixed the social model of disability is saying we are all being disabled by what is around us and the yeah. way that we're being treated and the way that we organize our societies and this is a collective problem mm. um and and then that, that's been really important for me that mm. shift from seeing Ben as a sequence of issues that we need to help him fix mm. to being able to think Ben is absolutely fine as he is. Ben is Ben. Yeah. Ben was never not disabled. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah, was yeah. never a person who didn't have the body that he has. Mm. Um, and, and, and we can accept that completely for him and then try to make his path through the world as mm. smooth as possible. Mm. And lots of the problems for him are problems that could be less of problems yeah, if people yeah. decided that they would be less of a problem for him. Yeah. Of course, that isn't everything. Like, you know, really bad mm. reflux is really bad reflux. No mm. social model of disability is going to fix the reflux or, mm. you know, whatever issue. Um, but definitely, you know, there are things that we we could change yeah. as people if we decided to yeah. that would make things better for disabled people. Yeah, and that's like physical things around venues and access, Absolutely. but also like people's... In- Yes, like, you know, it's um, like steps, the steps and there being no lift. Mm-hmm. And it's also like, you know, awarding all benefits on the basis that you have to prove you can't do stuff as mm-hmm. opposed to looking at whether maybe helping support people would make them happier. Yeah. And <laughs> so a lot of it's about attitudes. A lot of it's physical, physical, exactly. Physicality. Sorry, I couldn't say yeah, that. Yeah. Word. yeah, no, no, it's great. So I would obviously encourage everyone to read the book. Um, and as you said, there's the moments of the joy. It's not all the 
well, there are moments obviously of of upset and drama, um, mm-hmm. but the joy that comes into mm-hmm. parenting in this way. So the cracks that let the light in, I think it's a really nice title because mm-hmm. obviously you show where the joy comes mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And it's a lovely read to hear the situations um, mm-hmm. where you're like ice skating and Ben's <laughs> having the best time and yeah. or everyone's enjoying the same book all at once and, yeah. you know, like everyone's together and happy in that situation. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's lots more in the book, obviously, around schooling and nursery contexts, but, you know, probably don't have time to go into <laughs> yeah, the full yeah. detail. Yeah. Um, so where can people find out about it? It's for sale publicly. It's for sale yeah. wherever you get your on all good bookshops, yeah. both online and in person. Yeah, great. Um, Paperback's now out. Paperback's now out. Mm-hmm. I also have a website, which is sun-stories.com. So mm-hmm. there's more about it there. And are you still blogging on that? Is that or is that I'm more of the very general website? Extremely intermittently. Okay. okay. <laughs> and what's happening with your writing next then, Jess? You're doing a master's. What's, I'm doing a it? master's. Yeah. yeah. So I guess uh, sort of linked to the career chat. Like mm. I um, realized I wasn't going to be an architect and I had been writing. So then I started writing more. And then when Molly started nursery, I realized I couldn't probably get a, get a sort of quote proper job because mm. I needed to be able to be around for the kids. But I started doing a writing course and out of that came mm. more writing and eventually yeah. came the book. Um, and I think that's kind of an interesting thing in itself yeah. because I think women are very good at adapting to what they're doing. And mm. I think my life got sort of derailed a little bit when Ben was born as we all tried to work out how to be those the, the new people we needed to be and I think in many ways that then changed all sorts of aspects of my life and one of those is that you know you could do different things <laughs> like you yeah. can learn new things and um so that's kind of part of it um but yes now I'm doing a master's uh in writing mm-hmm. um partly again because I still need to be able to be around for the kids and it's something that's flexible around them but partly because I really enjoyed writing the book I really enjoyed yeah. the process of it all and I really enjoyed um kind of the the craft of it so yeah, I'd like yeah. to get better at that amazing and when when will that potentially finish or is it a part I'm doing it part time because yeah, yeah. I'm accepting the realities of my family situation which means that uh, I don't have as much time as I would like mm-hmm. uh, so I just started in September so I've got two years before I've done it yeah amazing I look forward to reading more from you <laughs> Thank in you. the near future yeah or the semi-near future yeah, exactly the future <laughs> the future let's leave it at that <laughs> well thank you so much jess and i know you've mentioned your website but how can people find you on social media i'm jess moxham so j-e-s-s-m-o-x-h-a-m uh on instagram and twitter okay brilliant well do do follow listeners so thank you jess um, and thank you listeners you've been listening to the mother of all solutions and um, just a note about the podcast going forward it's the end of 2022 and um, so looking to 2023 and um, i'm hopefully making a few changes for in a good way um, i'm going to focus on doing some more um mini series within the podcast so Maybe we'll look at architects in a mini-series next. So parents in practice, something like that. Um, So if anyone listening is interested in that as a topic or any other sort of focus, um, like, you know, maybe mothering and parenting in TV or another industry that you feel would like be a nice fit for a kind of focused mini series do get in touch you can get in touch with me laura broderick as your host and producer on twitter and instagram at solutions mother or you can email me on mother of all solutions at 
gmail.com. But for now, really appreciate you listening, listening to Jess today um, and listening to the episodes throughout 2022. Wishing you all the best for the new year and um, whatever you've got planned or wherever your uh, future might take you. Um, all the best. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye.